Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recover, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Monday, October 26, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXX, the fifth paragraph, beginning with all these and others. Today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Matt M., The Twelve Traditions, Naomi B., and reading the literature today are Terry H., Do L., and the share ID for Sunday, October 25th, our special edition speaker, Yolanda F. from New York, a daily reprieve contingent on our spiritual condition. Share ID number is 8146. That's 8146. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Matt M. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, Santa. Good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Matt M. from Overeaters from Jersey. 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admit it, we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves restores sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when I do so, into them or others. And continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious confidence of God as we understood Him. Being only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you all for that. Thank you, Matt M. I will now ask Naomi B. to please read the 12 Traditions. 
Thank you, Santa. Can you hear me okay? Perfect. Okay, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Naomi B. of Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose, <clears throat> our group purpose, excuse me, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our conscious con. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not. I'm having a problem. Can someone take over? <clears throat> okay, let me try. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in manners affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overdue's Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ, employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity of the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is our spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us place principles before personalities, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book means to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXX, beginning with the fifth paragraph, all these and others, reading through two paragraphs, ending with chronic alcoholics, and we'll comment on both paragraphs. I will now ask Terry H. to begin reading. Good morning. My name is Terry H. I'm a um, covered compulsive overeater from Maine. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. 
This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. Much is written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. And I'm grateful to be here this morning to um, share on this paragraph. Um, so all these and many others have one symptom in common. So, so the doctor's given me a description of the, the, the five types of um, drinkers, um, and it doesn't matter on any of them because um, we all have one, one thing in common, and, and it's the, the allergy, um, that the phenomenon craving that affects all of us. And um, I'm so grateful that, you know, it talks about the pro and con, and, you know, um, a real compulsive overeater who continues to eat will become chronic. And, um, you know, here our medical science is telling me that there's no cure for me and considers me doomed. Um, so, um, you know, I, I have in this paragraph, you know, I could not continue to eat my alcoholic foods and live happy, joyous, and free. That, um, no human power, um, doctors, or, you know, I, I remember having this wellness nurse at um, my work, my place of employment at the time, and, you know, he would always, you know, he saw me. I was, I was over, you know, 250 pounds, and, you know, I would go up in the break room every every day and, you know, have my binge foods and, you know, he'd be standing in the corner with this, you know, um, table full of, you know, just uh, pamphlets of how to eat healthy. And, you know, he was always talking to me about, you know, what I was eating. And, you know, and I really knew, like, what the healthy foods were compared to what I was eating. But I just, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stop eating my binge foods. And I remember in that process, you know, a year later, you know, I had found you know, Overeaters Anonymous, and, you know, I put down the food, and I picked up the steps, and, you know, I had um, lost 125 pounds, and I, I remember that same wellness nurse just looking at me with, you know, just just uh, with astonishment, and, uh, you know, he came up to me, and he said, wow, because you got willpower, and, um, you know, I had to kind of just chuckle a little bit, because I had nothing to do with willpower, and um, so some of the questions that I had to ask myself you know, here, you know, it goes back to, you know, frothy emotional peril, and that suffices that no human power can, you know, plead, plead for, with me or, or beg me or, or even threaten me that if I, if I don't lose weight or, you know, change my life, that something bad's going to happen. And it's like you can't, you can't scare a compulsive overeater. And some of the questions that I had to ask myself is, you know, had, have I ever been able to stay abstinent before without picking up those binge foods? And um, could I control my eating and, and my eating behaviors? Um, so, you know, with those couple questions, you know, if I can't quit completely, is there any treatment that will make me like a normal eater? And um, so, you know, it goes back to page 44. Um, it says, uh, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. So, you know, um, did, do I believe that this allergy dif differentiates me and sets me apart from other people? Absolutely. And did I believe that the only relief to physical allergy is entire abstinence? 
and could I do it on my own, just just not compulsively overeat? And, you know, the other question I had to, that was asked with me when, you know, my, my dad took me through this, you know, was I living to eat or was I eating to live? And um, I'm so grateful that, you know, there's, there's no more debate for me today that the debate is over. Um, I am a real compulsive overeater, and, you know, I'm here to say that, as a result of putting down the food and picking up the steps, I have a freedom that I, I could have never imagined. And um, this definitely, um, it, you know, the only relief was entire abstinence. And uh, for me, that meant no wiggle room, 100% down with no binge foods, no trying to control it or um, just 100% clean. So thanks for letting me share. Everyone have a blessed day. Thank you, Terry H. And who would like to share for approximately three minutes on those two paragraphs that was just read? Chrissy, Kim G. Larry. I heard Chrissy, I believe. Kim G. Larry K. Reva P. Melissa C. Reva P. Melissa C. Did I hear Chrissy M? Okay, I didn't. Okay, so this is who I have. I have Kim G, Larry K, Reva P, and Melissa C. Anyone else? Okay, good morning, Kim. Chrissy Good morning. Yes, I'm good. I did hear Chrissy M. Okay, Chrissy. I thought I heard you. Okay, I apologize. Okay, Chrissy, you are up first. Okay, thank you. Hi, I'm Chrissy M. Recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey, and um, I have this whole first paragraph underlined with asterisks, and I have the second paragraph under the word "doomed" with an exclamation point underlined. And it's—I mean—that's the—that for me, that's that's the story. It's like, do I do I believe that or not? And it's. It's not it's not in my disease's best interest for me to believe that. You know, it's like um I don't if I wanna be the the disease has a life of its own that I I've seen and when I'm beaten I when the disease beats me down I, I can hear and then, you know, it regenerates itself and you know, by the middle of the day I could be fully convinced that I can you know, take this on myself and figure this out myself. That's been my experience in the past. <clears throat> and, you know, that 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 confusion, that absolute limbo, that purgatory, just being filled with the knowledge and the truth and working up all day to lie to myself and convince myself otherwise it's a horrible place to be and I see people struggle with it now and I know that it's only by the grace of God that I'm convinced that this is true and I live this truth in my life. I don't doubt it. I I've decided to believe that I have a disease that I can't eat certain things and most importantly that I'm not like other people when it comes to food. And um it's it's um it's up to God to convince people. It you know, I, I I try not to, when I hear the disease arguing with me, you know, in other people, I I don't, I'll, I'll lose every time. I don't get into that ring. You know, I just pray um, for an opening. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Chrissy M. And good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. So what, what, this immediately, what is this? This idea of entire abstinence. So what was going on in the 1930s was there was things called temperance societies. And the belief was the problem isn't that these people drink. The problem is they get drunk. So what we have to do is teach them to drink moderately. And doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound a lot like what society and even medical people tell us today? The problem isn't that we eat. The problem is that we overeat. So we need to be taught how to eat moderately. You know, I've had some experience over the last few years. Um, one was an inpatient facility for eating disorders in New Jersey, an outpatient facility in New Jersey, and an inpatient facility in California, where I talked to people that went there. They were taught how to, to abstain from these foods and certain foods, and then after a month, they were told, okay, now that you're stable, we're going to introduce you to have your favorite dessert on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Because if you can have one slice of your favorite food one Tuesday and Friday, you're not going to gain weight. Because once again, medical professionals see the weight as the problem. So that's, that's the cauldron of debate. You know, I think to myself, with you know, bariatric surgery, it's a physical solution to a problem that is mental and physical. And I have a girl in my office who had the bariatric surgery recently and is doing fabulously. I talked to her. I asked if I could openly talk to her. She is not a compulsive overeater. And this bariatric surgery worked wonderfully for her. And all her medical problems have gone away. And what my concern is, is the doctors see success with her, and they think they're going to see success with someone like me. Because I'm the real compulsive overeater. She is someone who actually had a problem with food and weight, and the bariatric surgery did cure that. So I just want to bring in my opinion. I always like to do that. This is my opinion. In a way, we have a seething cauldron of debate. There's, a, there's a, some meetings, I think, out in the Midwest that are called moderate mealers, where they're, they're trying to learn to moderately eat. We have groups that believe this is a behavior only, so therefore the idea is if they can work the steps that God will teach them how to moderately eat their, their binge foods. My belief, my, my opinion, is those people who can do that successfully rock on, keep doing it. But you're not the compulsive overeater of the type that's in this book. You're what this book describes as the hard eater because you're able to stop or moderate with a good enough reason, with just group support. So if that is your reality, like I said, rock on. But please, please do not sponsor someone like me because someone who can moderately meal it or teach it as a behavior and try to sponsor someone like me who has the allergy to the body and the session on the mind you're going to kill the compulsive overeater that is described in this book. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And good morning, Larry Kay. If you are sharing, we don't hear you, Larry. Hey, Santa. Sorry about that. Um, good morning. This is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, Kim talked a little bit about this, this debate, and it's, uh, yeah, it's moderation. And moderation, I have a note, note um, because I looked it up, I, I call it the triad of ego. <laughs> the reason I call it that is the three things that came up when I, when I you know, define moderation, self-restraint, 
self-control, self-discipline. <laughs> uh, common denominator there is self. Um, so I call that the triad of ego for me. And I have to remember that I, I can't moderate. Um, for me, the twofold nature of this disease, and you know, we're dealing with the allergy of the body, it, it you know, was so powerful that it actually fueled uh, more self-deception. So in other words, despite all I had learned about this illness, I kept living my life as if it didn't exist for me. Um, every day was an opportunity for me to put the food down and day after day after day, I would stick my hand into the flame, hoping I wouldn't get burned. Um, you know, it's just one meal, I would, I would tell myself deceptively. It's only granola. <laughs> and the list of ingredients doesn't mention in the word sugar or flour. You know, I lie to myself as I proceeded to eat the entire bag for entertainment. You know, other times as I, you know, waited in line to pay for my sugary dessert items at Walgreens or Target or Walmart, I would try to remind myself that tomorrow was another day. And, you know, occasionally I, I might get the courage to put the items back on the shelf and I'd run out of the store, you know. But, th but even then, I'd probably be in line at the fast food drive through within minutes. You know, let's face it, it, it wasn't like you know, there was an availability problem with getting my heroin. You know, I could get it most anywhere. And, and you know, I'd be like, I, I know what I'll do. I'll, I just won't keep any of my binge foods in my home. That, that's the answer. I'll, I'll just make it really, really difficult to get to my heroin. And I tried that experiment for several years, and I'm here to report to you that um, it didn't work. So self-deception is, you know, the acquisition and the maintenance of a belief in the face of strong evidence to the contrary, and that's what we do. Self-deception makes us a stranger to ourselves, and it often, you know, blinds us to our character flaws. That's what it did for me. Because once I'm willing to deceive myself, it becomes very easy to deceive you. You know, I begin to lose a moral compass, and that's where this disease takes us. You know, maintaining the false belief is intentional, not accidental. It's never accidental for me. I choose to believe a lie that the food is going to do something positive for me rather than paving the road to my annihilation. This disease will destroy me. Or there's door num you know, numero dos, recovery in the steps. But as we're reminded, there's no door number three. It's just death. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And good morning, Reva P. Good morning, Santa. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I love the uh, straightforwardness of these two paragraphs. It just says it like it is. It doesn't cushion it and try to make it soft and comfy. Um, and, you know, it's just told me that I have a twofold disease, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And what this shows me is the debate for me is that I don't have the allergy, that I can have just a little bit of something um, that triggers the allergy and that I'm going to be okay, don't you know? Um, and I don't know why, and I always wanted to know why, but I cannot tolerate certain substances in my body. Maybe there was a time in my life that I could but that thermostat has been broken and it can never, ever go back. And I was in a hospital program that told me I could have small amounts of what I now know are my binge foods. So I tried it. 
and I tried it, and I couldn't do it, and it was torture. So I have resigned from the debating society. This is how I am. You know, I'm a certain height. I can't become five foot one. I'm never going to be short. I'm tall. I can't change it. If I have allergies, if I've become the pickle, whatever analogy we want to use, I'm not going back to a cucumber. And I never will. And it's taken years. Um, I had to admit it in step one, but to accept it, um, I think is a longer term process. And the other thing I wanted to share on is it's the same thing for me with um, the compulsive other non-food behaviors. You know, I think I can get away with a little bit of anger or yesterday a little bit of willfulness. You know, I just want to do this. I know it's not healthy for my back, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Um, And I can't. So the road has become narrower but so much more uh, peaceful and joyful. Um, I can't handle certain foods. I can't handle certain food behaviors. I can't handle certain um, character defects. And I don't want to because I don't want to live in that torture. Um, So I'm grateful that they say that I'm doomed. Like there's no debating. But, 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 none of it. Do I want recovery or do I want to be in that roller coaster life. Um, and for today, thank you, God, I will choose recovery. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And good morning to you, Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Santa. Good morning, everybody. Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I just love um, the focus this morning on entire abstinence because um, I really, really need to hear that. Um, And I, I, you know, and it's just no coincidence that that's what we're speaking of. Um, You know, I always loved this idea. It it was so appealing to me, the notion of being a moderate person, someone that could moderate what I eat, um, you know, and, and do things in moderation. But the reality is that I'm not that person. Like, you know, I am a pickle and I can't go back to being a cucumber. Um, and so, you know, for so many years, Weight Watchers was always the diet that I tried um, because it, you know, you could use the points and, um, and, and have some moderation. And, but um, that, and I would look at other people you know, there were wonderfully successful people in, in that particular um, room as well. You know, uh, people that became Weight Watchers leaders um, who lived this lifestyle. And, you know, I kept looking at them, um, but I'm not them. I'm someone very different. I am a real compulsive overeater who has no chance, um, you know, of, of being a moderate eater. That is just not who I am. I need complete abstinence. And, you know, I'm learning that um, as my recovery grows, my my um, parameters actually have to get tighter. You know, you would think that the longer you're abstinent, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I would think that the longer I'm abstinent, the more I could handle other foods and behaviors, but it's the exact opposite. And so... The beautiful thing is that um, I'm aware today. So when I eat something that I never seem to have a problem with before, 
um, it's not always that I'm not spiritually fed. I think sometimes it's that my allergy um, is is evolving as well. Sometimes it gets a little more, I get a little more sensitive to things that never bothered me before. And so, you know, last night I ate something um, that I've never had a problem with before, but I I didn't like the way that I felt afterwards, and I could feel that it excited something in me. Um, and so the beautiful thing is that complete abstinence means that I'm honest. You know, I reported that to my sponsor because I need I need to do that. And I know now that that food is off my list, you know, and I'm so grateful that I'm willing to do that today because I want to be of service. I want to live this recovered life more than anything else. And uh, thank you with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Sandra, it's and, Naomi B. Could I share? Sure. Go, uh, just one moment. Uh, we're on page um, XXX, the fifth chapter. Those of you who are just coming on the line. And I have Naomi B. as our first reader line up for the next um, portion here. Is there anybody else who would like to um, comment on what was read? Renata. Okay, I heard Renata. I heard Renata. Leah T. Mary okay, Okay, Renata G, Monica T, Vasta O, and Amy M. Okay, anyone else? Nancy R. Leah T. Nancy R. And Leah T. Yeah. Okay, this is who I have. Naomi B, Renata G, Monica T, Vasta O, Amy M. Nancy R. and Leia T. Naomi B., you're up. Hi, Santa. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. Naomi, Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And what jumped out at me this morning was the phenomenon and the manifestation of the allergy. As Kim so eloquently said about the bariatric surgery, well, I can definitely relate to it because I had it done in '09. I had the lap band and I chose that instead of having them cut and dice my stomach. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It worked in the beginning, but thank you, God, it, it stopped working. Because if the doctor would say, well, the doctor turned on me, thank you, God, after I gained four pounds back, he knew I wasn't working the program. But, you know, no matter how tight he made my stomach, if I didn't come into this program, I would have a revolution going on in my body because my, my brain would be feed me, feed me. And my stomach would say, no, you could have two or three bites and then puke, which is just what I did. But thankfully, all worked out in God's plan. And I too, people would say to me, because they've noticed the, re- the weight I released, oh, you have much, so much willpower. No, it's not willpower, I would say. It's God's power. Because I one time I heard this dear, sweet soul say, that if I take credit for the 150 pounds that I had released, meaning him, he would gain it back. And I, too, do the same thing. It's, no, it's nothing that I can do. I know what I can do. I, have, I am the real deal. My brain does not have an off, off switch, and that's where my, my problem is in my thinking. It's not in the eating. It's in my thinking. And because of God's grace, I have of a calmness in my brain, and I had definitely a psychic change. Thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. 
And good morning, Renata G. Hi, Santa. Good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Renata G. Grateful Recovered Compulsive in New York. Um, you know, this doctor's opinion is amazing, and um, you know, it, it, it's saying here on this page, right, that it doesn't matter what um, you know kind of behaviors I manifest, or you know, like if I'm the manic depressive, if I'm the one I'm willing to admit that I have a problem. It says that, you know, if I am a real compulsive overeater, the phenomenon of craving, the allergy of the body is real. You know, and uh, my disease convinced me that it was real. I, you know, it, um, it took me a long time to be able to be honest about it. I still thought I could control it. I thought if I could moderate. And um, time after time, my disease proved to me that, no, you cannot. Because every time you ingest certain substances, you you lose all control. And that's what the, you know, the big book's telling me, that if I am a real compulsive reader, it doesn't matter if I weigh and measure my binge food. It's still binge food. It's still going to trigger a reaction in my body that I won't be able to control. And I truly believe that. And I, you know, uh, I believe that when we take step one, we surrender to this idea that there are certain substances that I'll never be able to safely ingest in any form at all, like we're going to see, you know, in a few paragraphs. So, um, you know, just to, I want to I wanna talk about an experience because I think it, this is amazing here because the doctor saying that, you know, the only relief suggested is entire abstinence and uh, that some alcoholics are doomed without it. And my experience was that, you know, a few months ago, I went to the doctor for a physical and uh, it was a new doctor. And my, my, my blood pressure, my heart rate, you know, they're really low. And she was like terrified and uh but it's my normal you know condition that there was nothing wrong with me they did like a gazillion tests and they couldn't find anything wrong but when she examined me the first day and you know i told her my history and whatever i told her um you know i have an eating disorder and i don't eat certain things because if i start i can't stop and i mentioned that i don't eat you know sugar flour salt things like that and she, I swear to God, she said to me, I want you to eat some pretzels right now. Right now. I want that blood pressure to go up right now. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not. And then she said, well, then I want you to eat some. Oh, sorry. I'll pass. But just to say that there's some doctors out there that do not understand this, but I need to understand. Uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Renata G. And good morning to you, Monica T. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. And ditto to what uh, she was just saying. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And here we are reading the doctor's opinion. And here Dr. Silkworth is putting this down in this this one paragraph for sure in black and white, what my issue is, what my problem is. And um, that I cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving, that I have an allergy to certain foods. And he goes on to say, it has never 
been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. And that was true when this was written back in the 1930s, and here we are in 2015, and darn if this isn't still true. And the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. You know, and this is his third time he's warning us, he's telling us this. Well, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and I didn't really like this paragraph, I have, you know. (laughs) Entire abstinence. But, you know, when I looked back over my shoulder, I knew. I knew it way back in the beginning when I first came into OA that there was definitely foods that I could not eat, that they did something to me. And now that's not to say that I didn't leave a bunch of claw marks along the way. But, you know, like was said, there's two doors. And I didn't like what would happen when I did get into foods. And so it was like, all right, Monica, you've got two choices here. You either stay in the food and the misery and, you know, you're going to die from this crap. Or door number two, pick up this program, pick up these, this book, get a sponsor, work the steps, and you can have what you see other people have. Why, you know, you say you don't want to continue being miserable while well, you get two choices, Monica. And like Larry said, there is no door number three. So entire abstinence. And, and it precipitates us into a season called you know, debate. Oh, yeah, man, I debated for a long time. But you know what? This prog- program is a program of willingness and honesty. And the more willing I was to do what I needed to do, the easier it got. And, but that's because I, you know, I worked the steps and God helped me. Help me, dear God, my favorite prayer is, God help me, I'm a crazy woman. And he does. And that's how, um, you know, that's what's worked. Because I can't do this. My crazy mind is still going to tell me sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe you can do that. But you know what the difference is today is I realize that that is a lie. Thank you, God, for this program, and I pass. Thank you, Monica T. And good morning to you, Vasta O. Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Santa, for your service. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Massachusetts. And uh, I did not know what was wrong with me by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I tried to control the food for many, many years of my life, you know. And... Um, I was really shocked when I read the uh, doctor's opinion, and of course my sponsor led me to OA, you know, and she told me, you know, she 12-stepped me for a while before I came to my first meeting, and I was, I was really, really shocked to find out I had the physical allergy, but then I, I yeah, I said, yes, once I have in this one thing, then I would want more and more and more. And I started understanding what it meant because I was diagnosing myself. You know, nobody had to diagnose me. So I was powerless over those things because I couldn't put them 100% down. And it's not like I didn't try when I used to diet, you know. And I'd do good for about a week or so in that mental obsession with that, you know, talking to me in my head. Oh, you can have one. You, you're doing fine. You're doing a great job. And I'd have that one and another one, and I would just go all the way, you know, to oblivion. So I was really grateful to find out the allergy, and for me it is 
entirely, 100% abstinence from those um, um, alcoholic foods that I was in, putting in my, in my body. And then, uh, again, a lot of people are saying to me, you know, are you still going to that program? You've been sick for so long, so many years. Why do you need to go? They don't understand, you know, and they don't, I don't want, I don't care if they understand. It's I understand what I need to do. Yes, it was, you know, I have the twofold disease, the allergy and the obsession of the mind. And then thank you, God, that I knew that. And I thank God that I could put, you know, those things down. And it was not by my own willpower, believe me. I beg God when I surrendered, please don't let me go back there. And then working the 12 steps, you know, that was the key. This is the solution. This is the answer to my problem. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Rasta O. And good morning to you, Amy M. Thank you. I'm Amy M., a compulsive reader from Massachusetts. And uh, I just wanted to focus as well as so many others this morning on that complete abstinence. You know, when I first came into the program, there was no um, talk of complete abstinence. You were abstinent or you weren't. Um, I, you know, worked program um, with a sponsor following the steps, and, um, and I was abstinent, and I had um, phenomenal recovery, and I was clear and uh, living a healthy spiritual life. Uh, the weight came off, and the obsession was removed. Uh, and then for a period of about a year, I wasn't working with a sponsor. So today I can see what that complete abstinence means for me. Um, you know, I, I wasn't working the steps, and my recovery was starting to slip. Uh, you know, I remained abstinent. My food, um, the food was down. I was still weighing and measuring mostly everything. Um, and my obsession was starting to return that the mind, uh, the magnifying mind that I have that, you know, I can't have certain foods. And when people ask me, well, you know, don't you, um, do you have a cheat day? You know, don't you take a cheat day? You can't have one day where you can eat, you know, a flour thing or a sugary thing. And, you know, for me, no. As many other people have said, uh, it, there's, there's no sanity around those items. I can't have just one. I can't have the whole bag or the whole box because then I want more than I'm craving a million other things to kind of offset whatever it is I just ate. Um, so for me, you know, complete abstinence, it isn't just the food being down. It's working with a sponsor. It's working the steps. It's going to meetings, calling into meetings, making phone calls. And, you know, um, what I have learned is that, you know, I can be in program and uh, recovery uh, imperfectly. You know, if I have a day where I don't make a phone call, okay, it's not the end of the world. But if I, you know, um, as long as I'm, I'm getting on my knees and I'm, I'm doing the best that I can in that day, that's abstinence. Uh, that's recovery for me. I can um, make my phone calls. I can email my food. I can call into a meeting. I can go to a meeting. Um, you know, that's what works. I, too, uh, you know, did some of those diet clubs, and uh, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I need to go, you know, uh, like three or four times during the week. That one day a week just wasn't satisfying enough for me. I needed, I needed the message more. Well, now I have the message every day. I read the big book. I call it meetings. Um, it's a program of fellowship. 
and thank you, God, the food is down. Uh, so with that, I pass. Thank you, Amy M. And good morning, Nancy R. Hi, good morning, Santa H., and thank you for your service. My name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I would just like to comment on the phrase, one symptom in common. Uh, for so many years, I, uh, well, and I do not regret the past. I'm grateful that I stayed in the fellowship, but I tried uh, so many different techniques. Um, I, I was I, I was a part of uh, a branch of, of uh, OA where everybody had the same food plan, and I wanted so badly to follow that food plan, but it wasn't for me, and eventually I had to let it go, and I felt like a failure. And then I would listen, and if somebody was doing something, I would try that. Uh, and uh, uh, and if it worked for me, uh, uh, you know, uh, most of the times uh, it did not because we're all so different in so many different respects. We have body, our bodies are different. Uh, our experiences are different. And what works for one person will not work for another, but we have one thing in common. Thank you, God. And we have one way to recover, to truly recover. And the 12 steps will work for everybody. And I am just so grateful uh, that I found the solution, that God led me to a wonderful sponsor, led me through the 12 steps. And uh, today I have a freedom that I look that I searched for for so many many years. I need to read. Uh, I have to be reminded daily that uh, I cannot have certain things because if they if I do, I will develop the phenomenal craving. And uh, I've known that for years, but I didn't have the power not to. And that's what the twelve steps. I have. Uh, that's what the twelve steps have done for me. Uh, uh, today, I, without a doubt, I know that there are certain substances that will trigger the allergy and the mental obsession. And uh, I have to do this. I have to be reminded every day. And I'm grateful because I would not exchange uh, the freedom that I have today for a bite of anything. I thank you for letting me share, and I am so excited about this upcoming weekend. Thank you. I pass. Okay, thank you. And thank you, Nancy R. And Leah T., good morning. Leah T., we don't hear you. Hi. Hello. Yes, hi. I just want Leah T., I just wanted to say that I'm here on the call. Um, it hasn't been so easy, but I'm here. And today's going to be a good day. I pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Leah T. And who else wants to comment on what was read today? This is D. Mary D. I heard do L. Devorah S. Mary B. Devorah S. Okay, I have do L. Mary B. Devorah S. Do L. You are up. Thank you so much, Santa. Um, this is do L. Recover compulsive reader from New York. And I, I love this paragraph because it explains what happens to me when I put those binge food substances 
in my mouth. I developed an allergy, and I have a high sensitivity when I put those substances in where I break out wanting more and more, and, and then I can't seem to stop. And once I'm stopped, I can't stay stopped. Um, and I says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And it says this immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. What does that mean? It means that there's <laughs> seething. It's like a hot, boiling, smoldering kettle that boils to the point um, of, and then debate is disputes. You know, there's a dispute. Should I be entirely abstinent? That's the question. Like, can I do this without being entirely abstinent? Can I have certain substances and take certain substances and, and leave some of them out, but still continue to have some of my binge substances in my system? And the doctors write that in their general opinion that most alcoholics or most compulsive overeaters are doomed. They're not going to be able to pull that off. You know, in um, page 31, 32, it talks about for um, every form of self-deception experimentation, they will try to prove themselves like a normal eater, you know. And that's, that's the great obsession of every abnormal eater, is that someday, somehow, I'm going to beat the game. And then when I introduce the substances, I am doomed. I am doomed to compulsively overeat. And, and that's what it's saying, you know, that this disease is twofold. It is not just one-fold. It is twofold. It is bodily and mentally. One dominates the other. When I put the food in, the physical dominates me. But when I leave the food, when I put the food down, the mental dominates. So it's intertwined. It's not one versus the other. It is both. And I know last week I, I shared on a paragraph that I said it was just the mental. No, it's not just the mental. It is the mental and the physical. And, and, and that's why it's a vicious cycle, because it repeats over and over and over and over again. And, and unless I can break out of that cycle of my addiction, um, I can't do this. And the first step that I need to do is put everything down so I have a fighting chance against the mental. You know, that's what it's speaking about here. It's speaking about I have an allergy. Don't introduce those food substances. Then I can address the mental. But it's an interchange of both. Both. And, um, and unless I can break that out through a spiritual a reminder. Yes, thank you. I'm closing up. Um, unless I can break that out, out of the spiritual experience, I am doomed. I am doomed unless I get that solution. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. And Mary B., good morning. Hi, good morning. This is Mary B. Um, Santa, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, thank you. Mary B., gratefully recovered in Southwest Arizona today. Um, try to make this quick. Uh, was at the doctor a few years ago, quite a few years ago, because they still had our records and file folders. And this tall, thin, young, good-looking doctor was walking back and forth between my chart and me and saying, what is it you do? What is it you do? Between my weight loss, my age, my test results, he was just amazed. And I told him I'm in this program of recovery uh, based on the Alcoholics Anonymous program. 
And then he said, I have patients who are going to die if they don't lose weight. And they don't. And I look at him, looked at him and I said, Doc, if you told me right now that I was going to die for any reason, I would walk out of this office and head right for Bee's Bakery. Bee's Bakery was one of those places in the San Fernando Valley, which I didn't frequent when I was eating because I was into day old, it reduced, and yesterdays, and blah, blah. Anyway, how could anybody understand something like that? How could any normal person understand something like that? You understand. You know. You know me. Uh, the only time a doctor was able to scare weight off of me was when there was another human being involved, and that was in my second pregnancy when the doctor told me if I didn't do something, I was going to have uh, toxic poison. And all I knew about that was that my next-door neighbor's baby died uh, in, in, at birth from toxemia. And so I went back the next appointment. I uh, had dropped 10 pounds, and he kind of chuckled and said, scared you, didn't I? But that was with another human being involved, my baby. I don't know what I would have done if it had been for that. Um, anyway, this, this really is a program for insane people, and that's me. I qualified, and I am so grateful to be recovered today. And I'll Time is short, and I'm going to cut it off here. Thank you very much for letting me share, and thank you all for your wonderful shares this morning. And thank you, Mary B. And our final share for today will be Devorah F. Good morning, Devorah. And good morning to you, Santa. Hi, everybody. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And I, too, want to comment on those two words, complete abstinence, because so grateful to have that, that phrase together because I, I could find so many loopholes, you know, when they say, okay, so I should be absent from my binge foods. But, you know, I have, I, I was, I was eating things that were, were harmless. It was zero calories all the way through, but I was abusing them in such a way that, um, it was, um, it was addictive and I had to put down you know, the Diet Coke that I went to bed with every night. I wake up in the middle of the night and drinking it. And I had to put down all the sugar substitutes, the blue packets, the pink packets, the yellow packets, anything like that because I was abusing that. I was throwing it on everything. Um, I had to put down um, decaf coffee. I had to put down the coffee because, again, I was abusing it. And it was just never enough. And so that complete abstinence, so that's the area you know, all those things, those extra things that I thought that were okay, because my whole life I grew up with it, like why have something with sugar, what I have without sugar, but those things were causing me um, craving beyond the control. Um, I find out later that they all have some sort of sugar in there, and, you know, there you go, that's the answer. Um, and, um, and it was really, you know, it really, uh, I saw, you know, looking back now, how, um, how I abused them. Chewing a piece of gum, sugarless gum, was another behavior. Um, and um, so grateful that I can go from one meal to the next without the craving, without the obsession. And um, and I have my mind is free today to 
to live in the steps, to live in 10, 11, and 12 each day. And um, and that's that's something that I never strive for. You know, it was always out there. I didn't think it was for me, but, you know, so so grateful that I have the opportunity today to live in the solution and um, not living in the clouds. And, and uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Devorah F. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will do L. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.